Good morning. Let's uh, let's begin. All right, I'm sorry. Starting a few minutes late. Okay, so we left off about say yesterday. Uh, today's daf is Lamed Ches 38. We left off Lamed Zayin Omid Bey's last two lines. So the Gemara says, remember again, the Gemara is learning out all of these cases, or all the, we, yesterday we spent on all of these different drushas from different psukim that seem to all echo the same basic sentiment, namely, that if a person is going to be liable to a death penalty, then they are not chayev for mamon. They are not chayev for any type of monetary compensation. So we left off yesterday with a drasha. From Adam. So the Gemara's last two lines, So do we not, why do we need this Pasuk of Kol excuse me, I should say, Adam Lo why, why do I need that Pasuk? After all, I can learn all of this out from the Pasuk of Lo Kofer, of do not go ahead and take Rabbi Kofer means a, a monetary payment or an atoning monetary payment. So I can learn everything out from Lo Kofer that would teach me, Shamis Mina, Lo Mamona right? Lo Kofer teaches me that I may never take money in an effort to go ahead and atone for someone and thereby exempt someone from a death penalty. Kol cherem lamli. Why do I need the phrase kol cherem? To which the Gemara says, Amrani bar chama itzrich. You need it. You know why? Sakata itchamina. I might have thought top of lamet ches. Hadi mi dehecha dahargu derech aliyah shlod nitna shigagasa lekapara. So I say I might have thought that when does this apply? That losi Rashi says hani mili the losikhu kofer lifter otseach mezid miktala. When do we say that we do not accept monetary payment as a form of atonement? For one who has killed, that's only one who killed what we call, we'll say, Derech Aliyah. Rashi says over here, Hecha Dahargu Bemezid. Derech Aliyah, literally in an upward fashion, usually refers to someone who, not usually, refers to someone who killed intentionally. Rashi says, Bemezid Derech Aliyah, Behanafas Yado, Hikal Mechorov, Tekavasa Beshogeg Lonitan Lekaparas Golos Kirchsev, so as I said, I might have thought, when do we say that money can't atone for you? That's only when you killed what's called derech aliyah, in an intentional fashion. So if you're an intentional killer, you're, that is a very severe transgression. Money cannot atone for what it is that you did. However, hargo derech yirida, but I will say, if you kill what's called derech yirida, literally in a downward motion. So the simple case would be, I'm going down the ladder. I'm going down the ladder, and I slip and I fall on someone. So the mice again, where I will say, in such a situation like that, where it's accidental, there is kapara. What's the kapara? The kapara is galos. I'm a, is, is exiled to the irani dachas. Not irani dachas, excuse me. Iran miklat. So I might have thought, I might have thought that in that kind of case, there should be atonement through monetary compensation. I might have thought we could accept money from the person who killed and ultimately exempt him from a death penalty. No. So we'll say, apparently what the Gemara is suggesting over here is from the Pasuk of, from the Pasuk of Lo Kofer, apparently that would have only taught me that money can't atone for one who kills Bemezid. But it wouldn't have necessarily taught me the Halacha for one who kills Beshogeg. Therefore the Pasuk of Kol, Kol Kofer, excuse me, Lo Kofer, I'm sorry, Kol teaches me that even one who kills Beshogeg is, cannot go ahead and atone through monetary payment. 
Amavi Rava. So Rava said, Hamid Nafka. But one second, we could have learned this out from Rabbi Chizkia. Rabbi Chizkia is teaching. What did Rabbi Chizkia teach? As Rashi says, Nafka. So what Rava is coming along and saying is, we already learned from the Yeshiva of Chizkia that we do not distinguish between someone who killed with Shogig or someone who killed with Mezid. I mean, obviously, we do distinguish halachically, but we do not distinguish between them in that in both cases, one cannot achieve atonement through monetary compensation. Because we learned from the Yeshiva of Chizkiah, So I say, remember again, we quoted this Trusha before. The Torah links Make Behema Make Adam. Torah says, Umake Behema Yeshamena. If you go ahead and you injure, you kill an animal, you shall pay. Umake Adam, if you kill a person, you must. You are put to death. So the Torah links Make Behema and Make Adam. How, how so? So the Gemara says, Ma Make Behema Lochilaktabo Bein Beshogeglamezid. Just like Rabbi said, if you injure an animal, so it makes no difference if you did it unintentionally or intentionally. Behemis Kavain, I should say, Right, by accident or purposefully, intentionally or unintentionally, you did it in a downward motion versus an upward motion, which will say again, also means shogigomazid. Rather, what is the halach alapotro mamon, elalachaiva mamon? So we'll say in all of these cases, if you do damage to the animal, you are never exempt. Even if you did it accidentally, you always must compensate. There is always mamon. Af maki adam. So what the Gemara is saying over here is that there is one din in maki behema. What, what's the one din If you injure an animal or kill an animal, what's the one din? Pay. Pay. That's it. We don't care about the circumstances. We don't care about your intentions. We don't care. We don't care. If you kill the animal, you've got to pay. Af adam. So to again remember, why does the Torah mention makia in the same in the same pasuk to teach you that just as the din by an animal is absolute payment in all circumstances. The din by Adam is also absolute, namely, If you kill a person, there is no distinction between shogeg and mezid. Intentionally or unintentionally. In a downward motion versus an upward motion. It will say in every single case where you kill a person, the halacha is the same. I will say, obviously, the halacha is not the same. Right? But if you kill someone accidentally, you're going to Gullus. Intentionally, you're executed. But the halacha is the same in what? There is never monetary obligation. Whenever you kill a person, there is never a monetary obligation. That is klal gadol. When you injure a person, there's monetary obligation, but not when you kill a person. So therefore, the Torah is linking make adam and make behema to each other to say that just like the halacha by make behema is absolute, i.e., in every single case, lemaisa again, you have to pay. So to in every single case where you kill a person, you will never have to pay. Granted, the final sentence of the person will vary on how he killed the other, but one thing is for sure, no mamon. So, say, so the point over here is you see, you see that Lamaisa, again, Tanad Bechizkia, they already learned out this idea that you never pay money for injuring, a, for, excuse me, for killing a person. We learned that from these two. And therefore, again, I don't need really any of these previous drushas. Ela Omar Rami Barchama Itzrich. I need the Pasuk. I need the Pasuk of Kol Cherem, and I'll tell you why. Sakadaitcha Amina. So we'll say, because remember, the Gemara just asked the Kasha. You're telling me what the Gemara just posited before is that I need the Pasuk. I, so far, I have two Psukim. Right? I have two Psukim. One, I have two Psukim. Um, I have two Psukim. Lo Sikhu Kofer and Kol Cherem Lo Yipadeh. Kol Cherem Lo Yipadeh. 
right? So why do I need both of those psukim? So the Gemara wanted to suggest that losich kofer is a case of where you killed someone b'meizit. If you killed someone b'meizit, you can't buy yourself out. There's no such thing as monetary atonement. And kocherim losifta is talking about where you kill someone b'shogeg, that there is, no monetary, there is no monetary atonement either. The Gemara then says, well, one second, why don't you eat of those psukim? According to Tanah de Bechizkiah, we learn both of the, we learned this halacha out from what? Maki adam maki adam Equating maki adam maki behema. I'll tell you that just the halacha by maki is absolute. You have to pay in all circumstances. So to Maka Adam, the Allah is also absolute, namely, you don't pay in any circumstances. So why do I need the Pasuk of Kol Cherem Lo Sifta? To which the Gemara says, El Amrei Barachama, Itzrich, you need it. Sakadai Tchamina, Hani Milihecha Desima Es Einau, Bahar Gabo. I might have thought that when does this apply? Literally, when you blinded his eye and then you killed him. Now, I'll look at Rashi for just a moment. El Amrei Barachama, it's Tzrich Chad Mehani Christ. The Gemara says, I really, I need both of these Pesukim of both Lo Sikhu Kofer and Kol Cherem Lo Sifta. And I'll tell you why. Look at this Rashi. It's the Rashi that begins, Hachi Garsinon Ela Amrami Barchama. It's Tzrich Chad Mehani Christ. I need one of these Pesukim. La Ashmo'inon Delo Le'ovid Be'itarte. That I do not punish a person twice for both Mis and Mamon. The Afagav Del Nafkalon Mi Velo Yason. Hani mili delo anish. I'm reading Rashi still. Delo anishin le betarti hecha desima es eno vahargabo baose makume. So we'll say, listen to this. Let's say a person goes ahead, Ruvain goes ahead and hits Shimon in a way that first he blinds Shimon's eye, which I must remember that's ayin tachas ayin. That's monetary compensation. He blinds Shimon's eye. And then he kills him with the same blow afterwards. So, right, first he blinds the eye before he kills him, and then but with the same blow he kills him. So, I would have said, in a case like that, if I went ahead and I, Ruvain killed Shimon, or I should say, Ruvain first blinded Shimon, monetary compensation, and then killed him with the same blow, that's when I would say that perhaps he's exempt from monetary compensation. Why? Why? Because it's the same Misa. It's the same Maisa that did both. The same Maisa that caused monetary damage to the loss of Shimon's eye is the same Maisa that ultimately killed Shimon. That's when I'd say he's only Chayev. Actually, I don't know what happened over here. That, that's the... Oh, looks like it shut down. That's the only time... Don't worry about it. And that's the only time where what? Where Lemaisa, where Lemaisa, I'd say that he's Pater for the Mamon, and only Chayef for the money. However, Al-Hecha, Desima Es Eino, but in a case, ultimately, again, where? In a case where ultimately... He went ahead and he blinded the eye. Vahargo bidavar acher. Listen to this. Let's say, however, again, instead of one maisa, it's two different maisa. It's two different actions. So let's say I went ahead and I blinded his eye and then I killed him with something else. Look at Rashi. Look at Rashi. Bidavar acher, bemake acheres ubebas achas. So we'll say, let's say I'm very talented. I could go ahead and I could go ahead and do two things with two different hands. So what do I do? With my left hand, I blind his eye. With my right hand, I kill him. Right? So it's not the same action. But yet what? It's bas achos. So two different actions, but that are occurring simultaneously. I might have said in that kind of case, ima nishko mamona mine. I might have thought that in that kind of case, what? Maybe you should have to pay. And I was about to say, the hava mina is, when should I be exempt from monetary compensation? That's when the same act caused both the monetary compensation, or I should say the monetary damage, and death. That's when I'd say I'm exempt, when there's real simultaneity. But if there's just simultaneity of time, but not simultaneity of action, meaning it's two different actions, but occurring at the same time, perhaps I'd say that you would be chayef to pay, 
Therefore, I need the Pesukim to teach me that even in these cases, I would still be putter from Mamon. In other words, at once there is a din of Misa on me, on the perpetrator, then I am exempt from any monetary damages I would have to pay for the victim. The truth is we can even learn this out from another statement of the Yeshiva of Chizkia. Why? The town of Bechiskia, because we learned they taught in the in the yeshiva of Bechiskia. Ayin tachas ayin. say if you injure someone, if you injure someone, you have to go ahead and pay an eye for an eye. Below ayin tachas nefesh, but not an eye for a life. Not an eye for a life. Rebbe say, what does that mean? I, so the, the, the idea over here is that ayin tachas ayin represents monetary compensation. So if you injure someone monetarily, you have to pay them with money. But if you take their life, ayin tachas nefesh, we don't say we don't say that you could pay financial compensation in lieu of being executed for taking someone's life. Rather, you can't. You're not obligated to pay. Excuse me. Let me say it differently. means that you are not held accountable for both taking someone. I should say differently. You can't pay with your life and with your money for taking someone's life or for taking someone's eye. Rather, Ravash says we need the pesukim, and I'll tell you why. Listen to this. So Ravashi says like this. I'll tell you why I need the pesukim because since knas is a chiddush, penalty payments are a chiddush. I would have thought that you should have to pay a knas payment, even if what? Even if lemaisa, you are going to be executed. Look at Rashi. So say, I might have thought like this. I might have thought that since knas payments are chidushim to begin with. Oh. Okay. So the Gemara says, I often hear myself speak, right? So, so the, 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 or talking to myself. So the Gemara says the following. So the Gemara says that I might have thought that by Knas, since Knas is a Chiddush, therefore, again, I might have thought that you'd have to go ahead and pay it even though you are killed. Kamash Molon, no. So the Gemara says, however, therefore, again, that's what the Pesukim teach me. But I will say, here's the issue. There is a Shita of Rabbah, which we saw in two days ago, that what? That is, since Knas is, since Knas ultimately is a Chiddush, Ta'aloch is, you do pay Knas, even if you are executed. So if that's the case, what does he do with the Pasuk of Kol Cherim? Remember, again, we had this yesterday, that the Tana, the Tana Kama, the, the, the opinion who argues with Rav Hanan Yibin Akavya, who says that if a person is being led out to be executed, and someone said, Erko Alai, his value is on me. So remember again, the Tana, who argued on Rabbi Hanan Yibin Akavya, says that such a, such a neder, or such a vow, is worthless. Why? Because a person being let out to be executed has absolutely no value. And therefore, again, they use that Pasuk of Kol Cherem to teach this halacha. So we'll say, what comes out halacha lemaisa, what comes out halacha lemaisa from this sugya, is again, or I should say, what comes out from this sugya is, we are left with the fundamental machlokas as to the following. Here's what everybody will agree with. Everyone will agree that where there is Misa, there is no Mamon or Malchus. That's what everyone will agree with. That halacha, so once against if you are being executed, then at the end of the day, you will not have to pay, you will not get lashes. With perhaps one notable exception, which is what? Which is the position of Rabbah who holds that although you can never be chayyah from Misa and Mamon, you what? 
you'll be high for knas and mamon. That's the shita of Rabbah. Since knas by itself is an incredible chiddish, therefore, again, that's the one situation. Rabbah said, remember, the distinction between knas and mamon is mamon is compensation, monetary compensation, which means that the money that you pay is, has a direct correlation to the, val- to the damage that you've done, as opposed to knas, which is just an objective payment that seems to be arbitrary. So again, Rabbah will hold that where there is misa, there is no mamon, but where there is misa, there in fact is knas. Says the Mishnah, if a girl was betrothed, had Arison, not Nisua, not Arison, just Arison, Vinis Garsha, and then she was divorced from her husband, and again in parentheses, she was then violated by a man. After her divorce, she was violated by a man. Rabbi Yosef Lili, Rabbi Yosef Lili says, she, gets, there is, she, she doesn't receive any kind of penalty payment. She doesn't receive any kind of penalty payment, and we'll see ultimately what his svara is in the Gemara. On the other hand, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yosef Lili, Omer, Ein Knas, she has no penalty payment. Rabbi Akiva, Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, Yesh Knas, she does get a Knas, but, U Atzma, she gets to keep the Knas. Now, I was saying, remember, understand, under normal circumstances, the Torah says that who does the Knas go to? The Knas goes to her father. Here, Rabbi Akiva is saying that the Knas goes to her. Says the Gemara, my time with Rabbi Yosei what is Rabbi Yosei logic, meaning why does Rabbi Yosei say in this case that there is no Kenaz, Omer Kra, because the Pasuk says, Asher Lo Orasa, the Pasuk says that she was not betrothed, Ha Orsa, but we see from here that what? If she was Arusa, if she, if she, right, if she was betrothed, ain't look, Kenas, she doesn't, so Rabbi Yosekli says, I don't see what you want from me. I'm just darshaning the Pasuk straight, right? The Pasuk says that she was not betrothed. We infer from that that if she was betrothed at some point in time, even though now what? Even though now she is divorced, that Lemaisa, that Lemaisa, she's not entitled to Kenas, Rabbi Akiva, uh, Rabbi Akiva will say, Asherlo Arasa La'avia. Rabbi Kiva says, no, Asher Rasa means if she was not betrothed, then what? Then the knas goes to her father. Ha'arsa, but if she was betrothed, meaning obviously now that she's divorced, la'atzma, she gets to keep, she gets to keep the monetary payment, the knas. And she doesn't matter. She gets to keep the knas. And I say, well, once again, if that's the case, alamiata, na'arav alobogeres. So I say, when the Pasuk says that the knas for violating a woman only applies if she's a na'ara, so can you infer from that using Rabbi Akiva's logic, that's what? We say na'ara and na'ara bogeres. So maybe I'd say same thing. If she's a Nara, her father gets the Knas. But if she's a Bulgarian, it's a little Knas, but what? She gets to keep it. Or Besula, or the Pasuk says she has to be a Besula. I would say maybe again. Maybe in those cases, what it means is using Rabbi Akiva's drasha. Maybe in those cases, Rabbi Osai, if she satisfies the exact criteria of the pasuk, then the knas goes to her father. But if it's a different criteria, goes to her. To goes to her. El Gemara says no, no, no. El Legamre. Rather, no, no, no. When the pasuk says these things, for example, when it says that she has that she's a nara, nara means what? That she only gets the knas if she's a nara, but not a bogeres. And when it says that she's a besula. Only if she's a basula and not if she's a basula. There's no legamre means those words represent exclusivity. Hachanami legamre. So why don't we say the same thing over here? Asher lo orasa. Asher lo orasa means what? Rabosai that she was not betrothed, which means what? That if at some point in time she was betrothed, what should be the halacha? She's not entitled to the knas, like the sheet of Rabbi Yosei Aglili. You must ask in Rabbi Akiva. The truth is, we need that phrase, Asher Lo Orasa, for another drasha. Because what? Asher Lo Orasa, 
Prat Linara Shenis Arsa Vinescarsha comes to teach us about a Nara who was betrothed and was now divorced. Shein La Kinas Divirabiosi. That the Rosa is just restating the Mishnah. That according to Rabbi Yossi, she doesn't get a kinas because she was betrothed, even though now she's divorced. Rabbi Kiva Omer Yeshla Kinas Uknasa Laaviha. Rather, Rabbi Akiva says she has a kinas, but the kinas belongs to her father. Now, now we're going now, obviously, you just saw we just saw a major contradiction. Because Rabbi Akiva said in the Mishnah that in the case of a girl who was betrothed and now divorced, she gets to keep the kinas. Now, with this price, he just said what? That the kinas goes to her father. We'll discuss that contradiction in just a little bit. The point of the Gemara is focusing on over here is what? That according to Rabbi Akiva, if she was previously betrothed and now divorced, there is still a kinas. Rabbi Yosei says, no kinas. And Rabbi Akiva says, it's logical that there's still a kinas. Why? Since her father is entitled to the kesef kiddushin, now, what does that mean? What that means is, if this Na'ara now, who is, was betrothed and got divorced, was to go ahead and become betrothed again, while still a Na'ara, her father would be entitled to her Kesef Kiddushin. So just, Rabbi Kiva, just like her father is entitled to her Kesef Kiddushin, therefore... Therefore, her father is also entitled to the money from her violation. Furthermore, just like her father still gets the case of Kiddushin, even though, again, it would be a second Kiddushin after she was betrothed and then divorced. So to again what? So to again the, she, the father gets the money from the the kesef kinasa the knas from the violation, even though she was betrothed and was divorced. So if that's the case, what do we do with the phrase of asher lo arasa? It's open for us to go ahead and compare to it and to make a gzir shava. What's a gzir shava? It says over here that she was not betrothed. That's talking about the mefate. That's talking about a girl who was seduced. So it says she was not, she was not betrothed. Just like the Torah explicitly says by onus, by the case of the man who violates a woman, that the penalty payment is 50, 50 units of currency. Therefore, again, so too by the mefata, by the seducer, it's also known, and just like a boss of the seducer, the Torah tells us that he has to pay in shkalim, which is a highest unit of currency. Afkan shkalim. So too over here by the violator, you also have to go ahead and pay with shkalim. So, so again, therefore Rabbi Akiva understands that Asher lo Orasa is here to teach us what? That Lemaisa, we make a gzir shava between ones and mefata. And it's a two gzir shava. We learn from ones to mefata that you have to pay 50 silver pieces. And we learn from mefata to ones that it has to be in shkalim. But I will say, so we're we're holding right now is the following. So essentially, Rabbi Yossi says that if a girl was betrothed, subsequently divorced, and then violated, there is no knas, there is no penalty payment, and he learns that out from the phrase of Asher lo orasa, which means she was never, that's what Rabbi understands, she was never betrothed. Because she, she, and therefore, again, if she was betrothed at some point in time, she, the violator is exempt from the financial, it, it's a technicality. Rabbi Kiva says, no, no, no. Halacha Lamaisa, even if she was betrothed and now divorced, as long as she's still a Nara, 
there is a penalty payment. And not only that, well, we have a machlokis now. And the Mishnah said, Rabbi Akiva said it goes to her. In the Bryce, Rabbi Akiva said it goes to her father. But what is that Sharla Orasa teaches us? Rabbi Akiva notices says we use that for something else. That's used for a shava between the Mephata and the Ma'anis to teach us that in both the cases, the, the penalty payment is 50 silver pieces, and in both cases, you have to pay with Shkalim. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, the Gemara says, Imkain, Ma'atamud Lomar, uh, I'm sorry, Rabbi Akiva, last two lines, Rabbi Akiva, my chazis, da'asher lo orasa l'gzeir shava, u'besula l'mi'utei b'ula, that was according to Rabbi Akiva, according to Rabbi Akiva, why is it that he decided to use asher lo orasa for gzeir shava, and yet, again, besula comes to exclude a b'ula, okay? Follow this chain of thought for just a little bit, on with base. Eima, besula l'gzeir shava, why don't we just say that Basula comes to teach me Gezeir Shava, right? Basula comes to teach me Gezeir Shava. In other words, that I could go ahead and I could go ahead and use the word Basula. We have to create a Gezeir Shava between Ones and Mefata. So instead of making, instead of going ahead and making the Gezeir Shava with a different word, use the word, use the word. I'm sorry. Use the word. Let me see this again. Rabbi Kiva, my chaz is Asher Lo Shava. Why does he use the phrase Asher Lo Orasa to make the Gzeir Shava? Ubesula lumi ute beula, and the word Besula comes to exclude a beula. Instead, I'll say the following: Ema Besula Gzeir Shava. Use Besula to go ahead and create the Gzeir Shava between the Ones and the Mefata. Now, I will say, now understand: if you go ahead and you use Besula to make the Gzeir Shava, then what that would mean is Besula is not used to exclude Ba'ula from the Knas, and therefore even if a man were to go ahead and violate a Ba'ula, he would still be chayiv to pay the penalty payment. Va'asher lo'orasa prat l'na'ara shenis arsa v'niskarsha. And go ahead and what? Use the phrase asher lo'orasa Rabbi Akiva, like Rabbi Yossi Haglili does, and use it to what? Use it to exclude a girl who was betrothed and subsequently divorced, that she is no longer subject to the kinas of Ones, to which the Gemara says, Mistabra asher lo'orasa l'gzer shava. No, it makes more sense to say that asher lo'orasa is used for gzer shava, meaning between Ones and Mefata, shara'ani kore ba na'ara besula. Because ultimately, again, it makes more sense to say that we are only talking about, because I could still call her a na'ara besula, meaning I'll both say, a girl who was betrothed and subsequently divorced, the assumption is, still fits into the category of a besula. Look at Rashi. Sharni kori ba na'ara besula. Afa pishinis arsa miniskarsha. Even though she was betrothed and subsequently divorced, but ultimately, again, she's still a basula. So that's what the Gemara says is it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to go ahead and include a baula in this because the Torah explicitly says in both the both the onis and the mefata that a stafka applying only to a basula. So therefore, again, the Gemara says like this: Rabbi Kiva's logic is the following. It makes more sense to use the phrase. Asher lo orasa to create the gzeir shava between ones and mefata. Why? Because I will say a girl who was betrothed and subsequently divorced still fits into the general category of what of besula, and therefore it doesn't make sense to make the gzeir shava from besula, which would then go ahead and also include baula in this category of kenas. To which the gemara says, "Ad just the opposite." Besula l'gzeir shava, I would say no. Let's use besula for the gzeir shava. Now, I will say, remember, if you use besula for gzeir shava, then what does that 
do that precludes you from making the drasha of besula velo beula, and even a beula will be subject to the penalty payment of kinas. So the Gemara says, Adraba, besula gzer shava, let's use besula for gzer shava, shahare anikoreba, asher lo orasa. Kazoosa, I could say that what? I could still say that Lemaisa, she satisfies the criteria of a girl who was not betrothed. Look at Rashi. Ad Rabba, Bistul Xir Shava, Velav Lemi Ute Baula Biznus, El Yeshla Kinas Le Baula Biznus, Shahari Anikore Osa Nara Asharla Orasa. And in Achinami, again, I will say if I were to do this, I would include a woman who had already had relations and therefore was a Baula. To which the Gemara says, no. Mistabra Ha Ishtani Gufa. Veha lo ishtani gufa. Rather, the Rashi says, Imistabra arusa yeshla kanasu bu'ula eila. It makes sense to say that only a besula goes ahead and receives the kanas, not a bu'ula. Why? Because ha ishtani gufa, this one ultimately, again, her body was changed, i.e., the bu'ula already, her body was changed. Veha lo ishtani gufa, but this one, her body was not changed as much. So I'll say, what that's saying over here is, if you think about the impact of the violator on the woman or the violation on the woman, ultimately, again, the violation on a basula creates a quantifiable or measurable physical change that does not exist by the Ba'ula. Since the Ba'ula already had relations, therefore, again, I'll say the physical change, not talking about the impact, but the physical change that occurs to the woman as a result, ultimately, of the violation is different by the Ba'ula than it is the Ba'ula. So, Gufa, the Gemara goes back and re-examines this. Rabbi Yossi Aglili Hasvar Aminali. So, I'll say, let's go back a little bit. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Bahaloshtani gufa, not a gufa. Rabbi Yosek Lili, hi Svaraminali. So we'll say, where does Rabbi Yosek Lili get his sermon? Remember, Rabbi Yosek Lili's Svara is that what? That if a girl was previously betrothed and then subsequently divorced and then subsequently violated, even though she's still a Nara and she's still a Basula, she is not entitled to the Kanas payment. There's no Kanas in such a case. So where does he get this from? Minali. He learns this out from the following Brisa. Kesef Yishkal Kimawar Habesulos. Remember, this is this is talking right. So she'll, she'll take the money. This is about the knas payment. She'll take the money in accordance with the amount that's given to the Basulos. So what do we learn from here? Kesef Yishkal Kimawar Habesulos. Remember, this Pasuk is talking about over here by the Mefuta, by the Mefata, by the woman who was seduced. So we learn out from here, the amount paid to this one, to the Mefuta, to the girl who was seduced, is just like just like the amount of money given to the girl who is violated. And ultimately what? The Moar HaBasulos, the amount paid to the Basula, or the, I should say, the nature of the payment to the Basula, should be like this. Well, so we had this before. In other words, that the amount paid to the Mefuta, to the Mefata, to, not to the Mefata, the Mefata is a seducer, but the, one, the amount of money paid to the woman who is seduced is like the amount of money paid to the woman who is violated, i.e. 50 units of silver. But the nature of the payment that is given to the one who is violated is like the a nature of the payment given to the one who is seduced, which is shkalim. So we'll say, look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, Kemar habasulos, so the Gemara says, I cash. So therefore, again, this is the Svara of Rabbi Yossi Therefore, because the Torah links the two, therefore, again, just like, just like, 
Just like in one case, we're only talking about a girl who never experienced erisin. Therefore, that'll apply in both of these cases. And therefore, if a girl had been previously betrothed and subsequently divorced and then violated, simply the halachos of kinas do not apply to her. So now the says, now that's Rabbi Yosei Now the Gemara says, let's go back a little bit. Kasha Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva. We have a fundamental contradiction. Remember again, Rabbi Kiva in the Mishnah said that if a girl was betrothed and then divorced and subsequently violated, so she does have a kenas, and what? She gets the kenas herself, versus Rabbi Kiva in the Brisa who says that Lamai said there is a kenas, but the kenas goes to the father. So we have an inherent contradiction of Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Akiva, to which the Gemara says no. There is a machlokes about what Rabbi Akiva says. There are two different opinions in Rabbi Akiva. Bishlam Rabbi Akiva demas nisin, demas So we say Rabbi Akiva of the Mishnah who says that there is a knas and the knas goes to her father. So Rabbi Akiva the Mishnah will say that the gzer shava that we made will not come along and uproot the pasuk from its basic meaning. But according to Rabbi Akiva of the Brais who says that the Kenas goes to the father, he will use the Gzir Shava and the Gzir Shava uproots the Pasuk from the most basic meaning. So to which the Gemara says, because Rabbi Akiva will read the Pasuk as saying, Ultimately, she is not an Arusa. So the Gemara, I mean, instead of reading it as Sherlo Orasa, he'll read it as Asherlo Arusa. So the Gemara says, Arusa? If she's betrothed, if she's Mamish and Arusa, Baskilihi. And we'll say, if the girl is actually an Arusa and a man violates her, then Lamaisa, again, that's a penalty. Forget about Kinas, that again is, that's adultery. That's punishable by, by, by Misa. I would have thought, I might have thought the following, that since Rabbi said, Kinas is a Chiddush to begin with, right? This Kinas is a Chiddush, any Kinas is a Chiddush. I would have thought, I would have thought that what? That even though, even though he is going to be killed for violating a girl who is betrothed, that Lamaisei should still have to pay, Kamash no. therefore the Pasuk of Asher Lo Arasa teaches us that what? Teaches us that what? That wherever there would be Misa, there would be no, like if she is actually betrothed, there would be no din of penalty payment. But according to Rabbah who says that because Knas is a Chiddush, the Chiddush is even though what? Even though you are killed, you still have to pay. Meaning Rabbah says, if the sheet of Rabbah keeps coming up, that Rabbah holds that even where there is Misa, you still have to pay the Knas. So what would you say? Meaning what would you do with the Pasuk? He holds like Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnah, and Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnah would say that Lamaisa again, that Lamaisa again, once she is betrothed and then divorced, Enochinami again, she would get to keep the Knas herself. Okay, so what comes out is fundamental dispute between Rabbi Yosef Lili and Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Yosef Lili says that once she has been betrothed and subsequently divorced and then violated, there is no Knas. 
there is no kinas at all. And again, Rabbi Yosef Lili's drasha is very simple. It's very simple. He would say, I said, Shala Orasa. The Pasuk says she was not betrothed. Once she was betrothed, even if she's not currently betrothed, obviously the Pasuk can't be talking about a girl who is presently betrothed. Because if she's presently betrothed, then what? Forget about the kinas. There is a din of Misa. Rather, Rabbi Yosef Lili says, if she was previously betrothed, no din of kinas. Rabbi Akiva says, there is a din of kinas, but Machlokes in Shitas Rabbi Akiva. Who gets to keep the knas? Is the knas hers? Or ultimately, again, is the kna- does the knas belong to her father? Also, how do we pass? Can we pass like Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnah? So in, in a Hinami, if a girl is still... Now, again, remember, the caveat over here is that she's still what? She's still a Nara. She has to, the only knas, she has to still be a Nara. But assuming she is still a Nara, then there still is a knas in her. She was previously betrothed. And we pass like the version of Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnah, namely, who gets to keep the knas? She gets to keep Knas. And I both say, now that is not just a din by Knas. We'll see other examples of once a girl becomes a Nara, there are certain other examples of what we'll call financial independence. Financial independence, where she will get to keep certain monies, even though, again, she's not a full-fledged adult. But in this case of Knas, the violator will have to pay the Knas, but she gets to keep the Knas herself. But let's just go a little bit weiter in the few minutes we have. So the Gemara says, um, Knas Salami. Who gets to keep the kenas? So the Gemara says, La'avia. So her father gets to keep the kenas. So say, now remember, this is talking about kasaka daitcha bestam anusakai. Now the Gemara, the Rashi makes the assumption, the Gemara is making the assumption that right now we're talking about a regular case. A girl is violated, a girl, a nara is violated. Who gets to keep the kenas? So the Gemara says, La'avia. Her father gets it. Vish omimatsma, other single, the girl gets it. Latsma, what is that? She gets it. Am I? How can you say about say if we're talking about a stomach case of an ara who's violated? Torah explicitly says that what that her father gets the money. So how can you say that she gets it? So the Gemara says Amrav Chista Hacha Benara Shenis Arsa Veniskarsha Askinon Kamvekamiflegi. So excuse me, Askinon. Rav Chista says, what are we talking about over here? Oh, we're, about, we're not talking about a stamp case. We're talking about a case of a Nara of a girl who was Nis Arsa was betrothed and then subsequently divorced. The Kamiflegi Beplukta Drabi Akiva de Masnisin Verabi Akiva de Braisa. And I will say, interestingly enough. Rabbi Yosef Lili doesn't even come into the picture. Why doesn't Rabbi Yosef Lili even come into the picture? Because Rabbi Yosef Lili holds that if a girl was betrothed and then divorced and subsequently violated, that's what? There is no kanas payment at all. Rather, again, Rabbi says that this is the machlokas within Rabbi Akiva himself. It's the, it's the machlokas time in the din of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva of the Mishnah would say that Lamaisa, she gets it. Rabbi Akiva of the Brisa would say that her father gets it. Am Rabbi, so Bosei says, What happens again if a man violates a girl and she dies? Now Bosei, again, remember, not dies as a result of the violation, right? But rather, again, if you look at Rashi, Bosei, let's say again, man violates a woman, father is going to take him to Bezidin. But before, before Bezidin has a chance to go out and hear the case, what happens? She dies. She dies. So what's the halacha? Is the father still entitled to the kenas payment or not? So Abaye says, Baaleo Mesa, Potter. He doesn't have to pay. Shine Emar, Venasan La Aviha Naara, because the Pasik says that the violator will compensate the father of the girl, Velo La Avi Mesa. 
and not to the father of the deceased. Meaning the fact that the Torah phrases it as he has to pay the father of the girl, that indicates to us that what? That at the time of payment, he still has to be the father of the girl, i.e. she's alive. But if she is no longer alive, then ultimately again, the violator is exempted based on a technicality and would not have to pay the penalty payment. I'll say no, to stop over here for today. We'll pick up with Milsa Dipshita in Mirza Hashem tomorrow.